the process of the church affirming which books would be in our Bible and which books would not be in our Bible. We can trust God to do what he will say he will do. And the evidence of scripture itself, that when we read texts that were written hundreds of years apart, that make sense together in cultures that yeah. culturally would have completely different priorities. In languages that weren't even languages the same. Languages that were not even the same. And yet it speaks to mm-hmm. itself beautifully. And it attests because the, 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 the message is consistent. Right. So it attests to itself by the unity when all the factors involved would almost guarantee disunity. Hey there, and thanks again for joining us today on Study with Friends. I'm Paige, and we are so thankful you're listening in today. We're currently wrapping up our series on the biblical canon. Holly and special guest Lauren have done an excellent job explaining how the books of the Bible were determined, but also answering the myriad of questions we can have when thinking about this topic. If you've missed the previous episodes or would like more resources, you can find all of that and more on our website, studywithfriends.org. We're also available on most of your favorite streaming apps, and now you can watch the ladies discuss on YouTube. Now, let's begin the conclusion of our discussion. The Gnostic Gospels. So this this is what I've encountered in a few different situations. People think this is a silver bullet to the canon, and it's not. Um, The Gnostics were a group of heretics um, that were in the second century. Um, They, it depends on who you talk to and who you mean when you talk about how long they lasted, but um, it was a heretical group. And what we mean by heretic is someone who claims to be saying something that's true of the Christian church, that's true of Christ, but is not, um, that, that is rejected by the church that is rejected by scripture. It's not um, in accordance with scripture. It's not in accordance with the teachings of Christianity, but it claims to be. Right. Um, and so the Gnostics would fall um, somewhat in that. And so the Gnostics took a lot of what Christ taught and a lot of the early Christian writings, but then they said there's this more like secret mm-hmm. knowledge that you have to have. And what the Gnostic Gospels are, um, are texts that they claimed the apostles, the disciples, and the Gospel of Thomas is one of them, um, had secretly written and then passed to someone on the side mm-hmm. instead of through the natural line of apostolic tradition, through the what did you call it earlier? The chain of chain of custody custody. Mm-hmm. Um, so that this was kind of a subversive mm-hmm. teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in to extend the analogy, the Gnostic gospels would be someone who brought in a piece of evidence, put it into the evidence room, but didn't tell you where it came from. Well, but they were claiming it came from the disciples. But that it didn't go, so it would be like me walking into a precinct and saying, oh, the chief of police gave this to me instead of the deputy. 
Right, but he or a lieutenant or whatever another policeman okay. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. The, the <laughs> detective, the whoever it should be. But not me because I have no ties to the precinct. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I have evidence mm-hmm. for a case that yeah, I'm not tied to. He, why That's would, what this is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Thomas gave this to whoever um, instead of to the church. Mm-hmm. And so um, often, so around the same time, uh, within a few years of the discovery of the texts at Qumran, there was a discovery of Gnostic texts at Nag Hammadi mm-hmm. in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that one was first. It was, they were 1945, and then Qumran was 47. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the wrench that people throw is that, oh, there's all these Gnostic texts. They were accepted. They were broadly accepted in the early Christian church, and then they were hushed up to, mm-hmm. like, kind of narrow. Because they didn't fit what because the they church wanted Right, they didn't fit the agenda mm-hmm. of what the church wanted agenda. to become. Agenda, good. And... It, they were not accepted broadly. Like that—that's the answer. They were not broadly accepted in the church. There was a Gnostic sect mm-hmm. of—I mean, it's a cult. The early church, yeah, you can call it a cult, yeah. Um, because a cult that, is defined that was, as that was numerous. Mm-hmm. Like it was a big deal. It was a big group of people. They lasted a long time. And so in that sense, those texts were broadly accepted, but not in the church, mm-hmm. not in um, and by any of the people. Yeah, we're not we going to name any orthodoxy. faiths as cults. That's just a asking for no, a disaster. Yeah, but, but people could imagine, just think of if you've grown up in church, if you are a believer you know that there are some faiths that are kind of big that we would call heretical. I don't want to say the names. Are you talking about? Ex- nope. <laughs> no, I'm not saying names. I, Do you know I what I mean? Like I, the, no, I don't. I feel like I lost you. I'm sorry. Well, let's just say it's a cult. Okay. Th- that's a good, ex- that's a good um, modern day way. Cause we have to kind yeah. of shape these into things that we can understand. And so they, they were, twi- so if you read, Do you agree that it's like a cult like now? Yeah, I haven't thought about it in those terms, but I, I can see that. Like, the teaching of you have to receive this secret mm-hmm. is really shady. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's it was a shifty yeah. theology yeah. that you have to get this secret knowledge. Yeah. Like, Scripture wasn't sufficient. Christ wasn't sufficient. There's um, all of these things that were heretical. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the Gnostic Gospels, like, if you go and read the gospel of Thomas, because we, we do have early texts of it. Um, the things that are said of Christ and said that Christ said, don't fit at all right. with what Christ says in the gospels um, that we accept and affirm. And in the early church, I mean, their authorship was very quickly debunked. debunked. Mm-hmm. Like this is not from, from Thomas. Right. This would not make any sense for Thomas. Why would the chief of police hand me? Right. Thank you for coming the back to that. Evidence it's, it's good for us for to have this. a practical. There's no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because. Like that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it wouldn't have made sense then. And it doesn't, make, and it sense doesn't make sense now. Because we have to remember that the early church was not in power. 
there was no power to misuse. They were not in power. They were oppressed. They were being brutally murdered for their faith. Thomas would have had no incent, no fear of his common early church people to say, oh, I need to like send to this mm-hmm. this way, this other like interpretation of what Christ said mm-hmm. because these guys are going to get me. These guys couldn't do anything to him. Right. They had no power. The church was being oppressed. And so the church's power has its whole other set of issues and things, but that's a different conversation mm-hmm. than the early canonization yeah, of scripture. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Ooh, those Gnostics. Okay. Yeah, the things that always come up to me when I think about the Gospel of Thomas are this one part of Jesus teaching that women have to become men so that then they can be holy. Good luck. That's not, (laughs) like, that's so contrary to the way that Jesus talks about women, to the way that all of Scripture talks about women. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. A feminist moment. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So we have a little bit left. Wrap it up. How do you feel about landing this plane? So the formation of scripture, when we talk about the process of the church affirming which books would be in our Bible and which books would not be in our Bible, took a lot of time and it, it was not decided in one place it was not decided in one moment um from man's perspective um god wrote scripture inspired men in many times in many places to write his word that we might know him and preserved his scripture in helping the church to recognize his word Mm -hmm. by his Holy Spirit to recognize his word and to accept it Mm -hmm. and teach it and preserve it. Um, that the process was messy and took time, but is reliable. Um, in that we can trust God to do what he will say he will do. Um, And the evidence of scripture itself, that when we read texts that were written hundreds of years apart, Mm -hmm. that make sense together in cultures that culturally would have completely different priorities. Languages that weren't even the same. Languages that were Mm -hmm. not even the same. Um, that, oh, that's an aspect of the Qumran that we didn't even talk about. Um, <laughs> that between Qumran <laughs> and the Masoretic texts, they weren't even writing the Old Testament scriptures in the same language anymore because <laughs> Greek took over in use. And they just dropped it in. It's just it's fine. <laughs> not in the same great. language, not in the same environments, not at the same in the same cultures. 
not from the same hundreds of years. Yeah. And yet it speaks to Mm -hmm. itself beautifully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And it attests because the, 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 the message is consistent. So it attests to itself by the unity when all the factors involved would almost guarantee disunity. Yeah. And if we can backward tease (laughs) the, we talked last time I was here with you, we talked about how hermeneutics, the way that we read scripture, Mm -hmm. the way that we interpret scripture matters. And so if when we're talking about, it all makes sense together and it all, you know, speaks to each other. If you're thinking, but wait, like why this verse and this verse feel confusing. The, the way that we read scripture matters in that to help us understand. But um, the way that God has given us the New Testament and the way that the New Testament speaks of the Old Testament shapes that understanding and shapes our our practice of that and it's again so foreign to us to think about it that way Mm. because we just take it i mean somebody handed this to us at some point in life the holy spirit worked in us to grow a seed of faith yeah and we've built a life on that faith whether it's a one year of faith or a whole lifetime of faith. And so it's very foreign for us to think about these interplays of old and new Testament and how, how that all does. We're using words like a test, but, but that's, that's the right word to use. Um, It was its own attestation of the cream rising to the top. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really hard for us to, to think about that now because we're just like, well, this is my Bible. And yeah. you asked me, do you have a Bible? I'm like, sure. Like I have them all over my house. That's what you were, I think saying when you're talking about CS Lewis, like we don't think about what came before us and the importance of it. We dismiss it because we're, you know, we're prideful, self-involved people, but thinking about this and considering it and understanding it and believing it is really important. And I do, I really think that at some point in every Christian's life, they're either going to be challenged on it by a seeker or skeptic, or they're going to sit down and be like, wait a minute. And so this is important work. It's important work. Um, But it's hard. It's hard to wrap your brain around. Yeah. Yeah. You did a good job. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> oh, mama. Thank you. Are there parting thoughts? Do you want to talk about why it's good that it's old? Yes. But okay. you don't <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you can tease it and okay. we'll try to unpack it in future sessions. <laughs> Did I tell you not to? So, well, you okay. were like, uh, it's, be- it's above about the it. line. I know it's okay. above the line, but I <laughs> felt like I did that rebelliously. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> um, I think so we live in a cultural moment now that whereas even just 30 years ago most of the conversations about um questioning the validity or the dependability of scripture like the age of scripture 
would have been a good thing. Like, but can you prove that this was transmitted well? Mm -hmm. Can you prove that this has been copied well, that it really is this old, that the, the Bible has been saying this for this mm -hmm. long? Reliable. And now mm -hmm. we need to be able to give an account for why is it a good thing that you're still building your life around something that's this old? Right. You're right. Um, and there's... The answer, I believe, is that because, because it's the word of God, yeah. um, because what a Christian must claim scripture is to be a Christian requires it to be old. Like yeah. there either scripture is transcendent or there's there's nothing to the christian faith yep. because god is not god if he has changed and changed right. and changed um and there's i think there's a lot we could say about like why why is it good that our faith is old um but for me it's easier to debunk why something new is bad yeah. <laughs> to say why something new is not not bad but not as reliable but but you're a child of a different time mm -hmm. too and i think just call me old no <laughs> <laughs> just easy. but i can tell you why that's good <laughs> um, okay good let's do it then i'll feel better <laughs> yeah well it's like this we walk on an old earth yeah we <clears throat> abide by old laws of nature that have not changed yeah we um we operate in an environment that is not new yeah and in order to understand the world that we live in which was not made yesterday we have to understand all the factors that contributed to the creation and sus sustaining of it that's not a new thing it's not a new thing and I think I would say if there is truth, it's not new. It's old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to, I really want to credit this, but it was um, somebody who said when it comes to interpreting the scripture, and this all kind of related, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. Yeah. And so it was a because because when we mm -hmm. talk about hermeneutics and how we read and yeah. translate in pastors on Sundays and teachers like you and I who are trying to do our best best job to be true to what we've been given. If you come up with an idea that no one's ever had, if I come up with an idea yeah. that no one's ever had, pause before right. you perpetuate it because if it's new, it's probably not yeah. the truth of the scripture. If it's true, it's definitely not new. Yeah. And so that was a, I wish I could attribute that quote, but it was good. It was useful yeah. for me because I was like, mm. you know, I'm, no one's looking for me to have like a new revelation right. out of the scripture. I may have a new way of describing and, and um, articulating it. Yeah. But the foundations of my truth that I'm bringing to you as a teacher, preacher, whatever, that can't be new. 
So I think that's a good place to end. What do you think? Yep. I'm proud of you. Thanks. You did great. I mean, you're thank obviously you. a pro at this. All right, let's pray it out. God, thank you for this time. It actually went so much faster than I thought it would. I just looked at my watch and it's later than I thought, but I really had a great time. So thank you, God. I hope that everybody who watches and listens and learns from this um, is blessed and becomes a little bit more of a Bible nerd than they were before they listened, watched, or uh, took this in. God, we just thank you for the time. We thank you for Lauren, especially for her heart for it, her very strong brain and knowledge about it, and for her really good way of bringing the truth of canon and why that matters to our time together. So we we ask you to bless her as she leaves from this time, uh, bless her words to our hearts and minds, and let them be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hi again, it's Paige. Thanks again for joining us in our study today. We hope that you found some great truths to apply to your life and encouragement for your faith as you continue to mature in your walk with Jesus. We here at Study with Friends are modeled more like a small group. We want to encourage you to continue your growth through the local church. If you don't have a church home, we encourage you to find one where the Bible is taught in every situation. Study with Friends is a completely donor-supported ministry. And if we have blessed you, would you consider donating to us? Monthly partnerships are particularly helpful, but no amount is too small. We'd also love to stay connected. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can stream us on the go wherever you are with iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And now you can watch the ladies on YouTube. If all that seems to be a bit too much for you, feel free to email us. You can find our email address on our website, studywithfriends.org. While you're there, you can check out a myriad of other resources we have that are all free for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time when we study with friends. Mm -hmm.